the Making Sense of Life podcast, episode zero. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hi there, I'm Andrew Horton and I'm here with Dr. Sunil Rahasia, a man who describes himself as a disciple of Christ, psychiatrist, spiritual teacher and fellow life struggler. He spent many years helping first himself and then a large variety of people navigate through the complexities of life to lasting peace, success and satisfaction. He is of British Asian origin and married to Sally with their four children. He trained as a medical doctor and has worked as a consultant psychiatrist in the British National Health Service since 2001, mostly in the area of mental illness and learning disabilities. Sunil, it's great to be with you today. Thank you. It's great to be with you as well, Andrew. Now, you're very passionate about what you do, aren't you, Sunil? So tell me a bit more about what drives you. Wow, that's a big question to ask. Um, I suppose yeah, the first thing would be my faith in Christ. Uh, I came to a personal knowledge of him ooh, in what was it, 1984, so um, that's over 30 years ago now. Uh, and I suppose that will be my, the, the foundation of my life, is my faith in God and, and what Christ has done for me. But also the fact that um, God is interested in every area of life, so he's just not there for a certain compartment on a Sunday, but he's interested in everything I do and everything about me. And I very much want him to be at the center of those things so your christian life and your christian faith sort of directs a lot of what you do absolutely but that doesn't mean to say that you have to as it were pray or have god explicitly in front of everything you do but that god's values of truth justice honesty integrity that is what really should govern everything that you do now you write a blog don't you sunil so tell me a little bit more about that Yes, yeah, so that's drsunil.com, uh, drsunil, uh, S-U-N-I-L.com. Uh, it's been going for about two years now. And I write primarily around the areas of mental health, uh, biblical spirituality, leadership, thinking, and cross-cultural issues. It originally started because I had uh, a number of people who were interested in the area around depression and struggling with depression and negativity, which is something that I've had a lot myself to deal with. Uh, it was part of my life journey about how I came to, to faith in Christ. Uh, that's on the blog, actually, under the post Just As I Am, which is, I think, under recommended posts. It's very much a hot topic today, isn't it? Depression and feeling down and sad and that sort of thing, particularly in our society, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think there's something about modern life that is very depressogenic. Uh, something about, I think, people feel more isolated, maybe because of more... Uh, sort of social networks are broken down and they're, they're not as strong as they used to be for a variety of reasons Fam, family breakdown being one of them but also I think people live in a much more individualistic individualistic way than, than they used to then there's things like advertising and the media which always encourages us to look for the next best thing and 
whether it's the latest iPhone or the latest gadget, whatever you get, there'll always be something better around the corner. Um, as well as, I think, just general tiredness and ex fatigue, the impact of technology, which is that we're in a 24-7 technology culture that's always bombarding us with information, and there's this gnawing sense of somehow I'm missing out, I'm not getting what I should. Uh, and I think that creates a greater sense of unhappiness. I mean, major depressive disorder, which psychiatrists treat, is more or less stable in society. But general unhappiness, I think, is very much on the rise. And although people might say, well, that, that's relatively minor, I disagree. I, you know, it's a bit like major surgery and minor surgery. If, if it's happening to you, all minor surgery is major surgery. It's a very good point, actually, isn't it? And, and as you say, that uh, it, it's it, the medical kind of... Um, diagnosis of depression is is very different to what the sort of the prevailing sort of modern trends isn't it yes i mean you've got major depressive disorder which is diagnosed by classification systems like the dsm or the icd uh, which talk about very clear symptoms for at least two weeks general sense of unhappiness and low mood that last for at least two weeks and and are pervasive right throughout the day but there's something else about society that i think where people feel that they're under a certain cloud of negativity and again that if you think about the media as well and all how we're bombarded all the time with with bad news because bad news is what sells newspapers bad news is what gets people to switch on the tv and watch the news unfortunately but a constant diet of that is incredibly unhealthy i know that when i'm using something like facebook and that sort of thing is that you know you're, you're kind of addicted to the notifications and seeing those all the time aren't you as you say it's about this culture of we always want to feel that we're approved of and, and, and assured, aren't we? Yes, no, absolutely. And I think there's something as well that if you look, if you think about Facebook and, and social media, everybody's always putting the happy stuff up. And it's very easy to feel, I don't feel as happy as these people in these, in, you know, in these notifications that I'm getting. Maybe I'm somehow abnormal or I'm, I'm not quite right. Maybe my life's not sorted as, as, it, as it could be. And so this sense of gnawing uneasiness it has, I think, a constant drip, drip effect on us. So, so you know, on, on, from a wider perspective, who have been your sort of major influences over the years? Perhaps start with in history, and then perhaps we'll move on to today. You know, so who, who what sort of people do you sort of learn from and look up to um, from history? Wow, that's a huge subject, really. Um, as we've obviously started off with, in terms of my faith in Christ, but. More broadly than that, um, wow, where do I start? I'm thinking out loud. Here. I know you've written on Abraham Lincoln and that sort okay, of thing, but that's yeah. more is that more to do with uh, his story of depression or have you been inspired by him as well? Yeah, well, I mean, with Abraham Lincoln, it's very much, yeah, his, his, his ability to, to deal with setback and to uh, keep picking himself up after, you know, he, he lost a child at a young age. He struggled with a lot of depressive feelings, but he was able to persevere. Churchill was another example who was very much on the fringes uh, of political life and in his own personal life until, you know, the outbreak of, of World War II and being able to see the Nazi threat. And I think there's something about, if you look at Lincoln and you look at um, Churchill, their, uh, their struggles with depression and negativity is actually what made them into great leaders. They were able to deal with their dark side. So in the case of, of Churchill, for example, he was able to because he dealt with his dark side, he was able to see that somebody like Hitler was not someone who you could negotiate with or really um, collaborate with. 
which was very much against the thinking of at that time if you compare you know to, to what Chamberlain was doing so yeah maybe there's some heroes uh, other people going back in history somebody like uh, William Carey who went as a, quite funnily really as an illegal immigrant to India because in 1793 because the East India Company at the time uh, forbade any missionary activity the East India Company were just interested in basically getting as much money and trade out of India as possible, exploiting the Indians as much as possible to get what they wanted. Whereas Carey went with a view to seeing how he could actually uh, help people and transform lives for the gospel and for the good of, of, of the Indian nation as well, as well, which again I think is very largely un underappreciated now. Uh, he'd be one. Uh, more recently, uh, teachers, and particularly uh, Bible teachers like uh, John Maxwell, Rick Warren, uh, again who, who I've written about as well on the blog in his own uh, struggle with uh, his own son's depression who sadly committed suicide in 2013 uh, and the way that uh, he and his wife Kay have, have dealt with that and used that to raise the awareness of, of, of mental illness. Um, another uh, teacher who... I'm going to preempt you here. Is it Tim Keller? It is indeed. Yes, that's <laughs> right. You know, yeah, Tim Keller has been enormously in influential. I mean, uh, I still remember a, about 10 years ago, somebody gave me... Do you remember cassette tapes? Yes. You remember in, in the olden days, cassette tapes, somebody gave me a cassette tape uh, that was uh, by him. And I remember putting it in the car and I can't remember what the passage was, but his ability to communicate gospel truth in a way that doesn't just speak to your head, but also speaks to your heart was incredibly powerful and he continues to have a very very powerful influence on me yeah now you're also quite interested in sort of modern trends of marketing blogging that sort of thing aren't you soon else so yeah who, who else do you, do you follow in that field yeah um, well again one of my heroes here would be would be michael hyatt and um if you don't know michael hyatt you just go to michaelhyatt.com <laughs> and he's a, a fascinating guy he was ceo of thomas nelson uh, for a number of years and he and if you don't know, Thomas Nelson is, I think, the largest Christian publishing company in the world. And he saw, I think this is going back about eight, nine, ten years ago, he saw that the way that the um, publishing industry was going, that because of technology and the Internet, it was going to be completely transformed. So he started blogging. And what I love about his blogs, and he's very much a role model for me, is that one, one blog will be about um, how to sort out some glitch on your Mac. He's very much into technology. Uh, even though he's a he's a grandfather with grandchildren, father of five daughters, and uh, very much, as it were, a very full you know social life, active uh, work life, and and yet he's very in tune with technology. Um, so he'll write about some glitch on, on on the Mac, and then the next one will be I had an argument with my wife last night, and this is how we resolved it. <laughs> so he'll, he'll he'll go from one to another, and he's again got a very deep faith in God and in Christ, uh, and so it's it's very very inspiring to see somebody like that really be able to bring all aspects of their life uh, under God. So learning from people as diverse as Michael Hyatt and Churchill and Abraham Lincoln, what are sort of the, some of the things that you would say would describe the way that you work and the way that you you um, operate as a, as a blogger and as a, as, as a, as a teacher? Wow. Um, to be honest with you, I struggle. I struggle a lot. Um, I'm, I'm not a morning person and uh, I think what I've learned is that everybody struggles. Everyone has, you know, we, we look at people from a distance and we think, wow, you know, they're doing all these things, they're so active, they're so productive, they're being so fruitful. Um, but we don't see behind the scenes. And I think a lot of these, what I'm encouraged by is that actually that that's not 
unique. Everybody struggles. Uh, we just don't necessarily see it, uh, particularly for people who are, who are in, in, the, in the limelight. And what I, in a sense, want us to do is to think not just about the externals, but the internals. And I think, you know, I think uh, one of my sort of uh, mantras, if you like, is that a, for lasting success in life, you need a rich interior life. Mm. And I think so much of society focuses on the external, focuses on on the credentials of, and in one sense that's fine, but you know it's uh, it, it's it's like that phrase, you know, I worked all my life to be an overnight success, <laughs> and we tend to rush to 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 put people on a pedestal and say, you know, how great, fantastic, and marvelous they are, until suddenly something terrible happens and they and they have some major disaster in their personal life or their professional life or or in some way. Um, and really, the seeds of that were there before. It's interesting, actually, just going back to Churchill again as an example. A lot of people, myself included, have sort of grown up thinking of him as a hero and not even knowing anything about his depression or mental illness and that sort of thing. So just, as you say, to think of the fact that someone like that kind of had the resilience to get through and to make it such a big difference is, is incredible, isn't it? You know, it is amazing, and I think he did. He 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 clearly did struggle with with depression, um, and as you exactly as, as you said, Andrew. I mean, I think that's often been glossed over. It's come to light a lot more. Uh, there's we, we've got he talked. He referred to his depression as his black dog. Mm, that's uh, a famous phrase, isn't it? Famous phrase. Yeah, we, we've got. There's, there's a short video on the blog about that as well. If you just you can just do a search under "I had a black dog" and you'll see a, a very lovely video made by I think it's Matthew Johnston who made that again another struggle of depression um but i think it is what made him into a great leader mm. because he was able to connect with his dark side and i think we're very good at times of, of polarizing you know he's good he's bad but life is gray um and if you compare particularly at that time that the whole issue with with chamberlain chamberlain was a was a very successful businessman very entrepreneurial who worked hard, who was a very reasonable person, and but who had the naive belief that if we're reasonable with Hitler, then we can avert avert war and, you know, things will work out. Whereas Chamberlain, again, because of his experiences, uh, could see that this was not something you could negotiate about. That word experiences, I think, is, is very interesting, isn't it, Sunil, about the fact that we have to learn through life, don't we? Yes, now that's a very interesting point as well to make because they t learning, all of life is about learning. Uh, and people say, well, I stopped learning when I went to school. Well, no, you didn't actually. Uh, you carry on learning because you're picking up things, you're, you're watching TV, you're going to the movies. I've probably, I would say, maybe the movies and cinema uh, and popular culture is the biggest, as it were, are the biggest teachers really now what they're teaching us is another matter are they really teaching us things that are going to put us in good stead for the, for the future uh, well that's i think quite debatable really and a lot of it you know in our modern secular culture is very much focused on the here and now i mean i think mm. i think the latin word for secular is now and i think one of the big issues we've got in modern life is that we've lost that sense of continuity about who i am I'm a product of my parents and grandparents and great grandparents, and if decisions and influences that, and decisions that I make in this life will affect my children and my grandchildren and my great grandchildren, um, I think those are vital things that we're we're at real risk of losing. I think you mentioned the word healthy there, and I think that uh, uh, being healthy in in the way that we 
that we consume the world as it were is important isn't it so that we we don't um kind of have a, a diet of superficiality and and uh, quick gratification notification if you want as well if you include facebook as an example uh, of their notifications so uh, tell me a bit more about how it's important that we can sort of live a live a healthy kind of yeah. healthy life inwardly and outwardly yeah well i think firstly I, I would want to just point out as well is that we are where we are you know here we are in the 21st century surrounded by huge advances in technology that have made huge potential and possibilities available to us and we have to accept that i mean we could say okay i'm going to go into my cave and have nothing to do with any of this but i don't think that 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 is an an appropriate response we have to engage with where we are in a nutshell how can we make sure that we live our lives healthily inwardly and outwardly yes no that that, that and that's and I think that, in a sense, is the crux of why... It's a big question, isn't it, really? It's a huge question. I mean, in a sense, with the online platform that I'm developing, it is man, uh, making sense of life in a complex and challenging world. I Just th- repeat that again. Yeah. Making sense of life in a complex and challenging world. Absolutely. And it's getting more and more complex and more and more challenging. And, you know, you talk to anybody about that. Uh, I think we all agree that, that it's, it's a struggle just to keep our heads above water. And I struggle like this as much as the next person. And, and, and that's why I'm so fascinated in, this, fascinated in this subject. And I think a lot of other people will be as well. Um, so how do we live a healthy life, uh, both externally and internally? I think one of the things is it's first that awareness of what is happening. It's a bit like, you know, the proverbial frog in, in, in the kettle, they say, or in, in, in the pot. is gradually the temperature is rising and because it's rising gradually, we're not aware of that. Mm. And we're in danger of just frying our circuits, if you like, with, uh, with all that, that, that comes at us and all the ways that we're bombarded. So awareness is the first thing. Mm. Uh, awareness that this is going on. And then the ability to, to step back, step back and think and reflect on one's life and to think about one's life in, in a holistic way. Mm. So... I'm not just, for example, I mean, I'm not just a doctor. I mean, I, I always remember Martin Lloyd-Jones says that uh, for most doctors on their deathbed, it will be written, their, their obituary will be born a human being, died a doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's not just doctors, but it's, it's all sorts of other professionals as well. Their whole identity is based around, the, around their profession. Mm. Now, you know, that profession is not a bad thing, but if that's all you ha- are, then you're a very impoverished human being. So roles as if you take my case, as a husband, as a father, um, as a friend, uh, as a son, this is in no particular order, this is, this is coming to mind, um, as, as, as well as, you know, hobbies and interests, to grow as, as a well-rounded in, individual, but also that I'm body, mind and spirit as well. And that the fact is that those different domains of my life, they all interact with each other. So, you know, if, if I'm tired and hungry, it's very easy to get irritable and ratty with with people. Um, it's understanding that, yeah, that, that all those things do interact together. So there's, so there's awareness, there's stepping back and then there's identity. Is, is that those the three things? I think so. Yes. Like that. So, Sunil, how did you come to be interested in these sort of areas, this sort of... Uh, areas of study and areas of teaching okay so uh as, as i said earlier on it initially started obviously in terms of with my faith in christ and the realization that as a disciple of christ i'm called to be salt and light in the world i'm 
there's a phrase, there's, there's a verse in, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 which says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he's prepared in advance for us to do and the fact that um, you know that he where his workmanship the, the the Greek word is his poema from which we get the word poem mm. which means his work of art mm. and there are things that God has called me to do which only I can do no one else can do and it's the same for everybody you know for, for people the people who are listening in as well you know I'd, I'd say to you that there, there is work that only you can do and your the experiences that you've gone through are unique to you and there are pe- certain people only you can reach and there are certain issues that only you can as it were, confidently talk about or relate to or help people with. Um, so that's, that's, that's sort of, if you like, the foundation. But also I realised that um, if you're going to make a difference in the world, then one is too, you know, an individual is, 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 is too small. Mm. You need to work with, with other people. Um, but that's easier said than done. Um, you know, if you think about it, we, we go f- growing up from dependence to being taught to be independent but maybe the healthiest place to be is inter- interdependence, whereby it, we're, we're in relationship with people, not in a needy relationship, but valuing each other's gifts and talents and strengths and abilities. So where, where, where I'm weak and maybe you're strong, you know, in a sense, it's a classic example, isn't it, Andrew? You're, 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 you're the technology guy here <laughs> and you're the interviewer and you're, you ask insightful questions. And so it, it brings things out and hopefully brings the best out of me. But it's not just... In, in that context, in a variety of ways. So um, I realised, as I said, that, that one was too, too small a number to, to, to achieve anything of lasting significance and then began to realise that as you work uh, with other people, that there are a whole new set of skills that you need to, de- need to develop. I, mean, I remember I became a consultant psychiatrist in 2001. Mm. And on one level, it, it's, it was like I'd reach a certain pinnacle, you know, medical schools are, are tough to get in they've been they're even tougher now than they were 30 years ago when mm. i applied and you know you look up and you think oh wow you know if only i could become a consultant i could reach that that goal well i finally reached it i reached it in may 2001 and what i realized there were two things i realized one was this is incredibly empty that was the first thing having reached this sort of thing which everybody aspires to. So you, you reach almost the, the top of academia in, in some senses, in, in many people's senses, and, and yet you found it quite empty. Yeah, there was a huge sense of emptiness, absolutely. And secondly, I realised I was at the bottom of another ladder. I'd climbed this, huge, this, this ladder that had taken me years and years. At some point, I, I thought I might never get there, but I got there. And I realized, actually, now I'm at the bottom of another ladder because there's a whole load of other things I need to learn and develop and, uh, and develop expertise in. And a lot of that is about your people skills. You know, they say people are hired because of their technical ability. So, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a brain surgeon, you better know something about the brain and how it works and how to, you know, do all the, the various um, techniques and surgical procedures. Absolutely. I mean, I, d- I don't want to knock that. You know, technical skills are really important. But technical skills are only what gets you through the door yeah. what's after that is, is issues like your you, your skills your ability to get on with people your ability to bring mm. the best out of people and i realized i was completely green in those areas uh, and then character who you are as a person uh, can you be trusted on can you be relied on are you somebody who when you say you're going to do something you actually do it or or you know or, or it gets forgotten and uh, or waylaid or whatever uh, i realized you know these are lots of things that I need help with uh, and that's in a sense I just realized how desperately needy I 
I, I am, was, continue to be in these areas. And that's why, I, I, in a sense, I, I love teaching. They say, you know, they say if those who do, do, and those who can't teach. <laughs> and I love teaching uh, primarily because I think it helps me so much. But I think what I, the feedback I get, it helps other people as well. It certainly does. And it certainly helped me as well. And I wonder also whether you think there is enough hope in society today. So, you know, you know, you talked about the fact that you felt sort of um, a bit kind of as though there was something missing or there was something you'd, you'd reached the bottom of another ladder. Do you think that people uh, in today's society give up hope too easily? Do you think there's more hope that we can kind of take grasp of and take hold of so that we can, can actually improve our lives and help our lives to be more healthy and that sort of thing? Yes, I think there is. I always think of Charles Dickens' quote. I think it's in *The Tale of Two Cities*, and he says, "It was the worst of times, and it was the best of times." And I think that's that's absolutely the case, not just in Charles Dickens' times, but in our time here and now. I think this is the best possible time to be alive, and also it's probably the worst possible time to be alive as well. It's, you know, if it's particularly in some parts of the world. Um, in one sense, it's never been easier and better to have a fulfilled life particularly if you live in 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 the wealthy west as we do but at the same time i think there's more despair and hopelessness than we've ever known or experienced um the question is which you're going to choose to focus on um and it goes back again i think to the realization that the old answers don't help anymore in the past you know like growing up i always remember um the big thing coming from a from a South Asian family was education, education, education. That was yeah. the thing. And I remember growing up uh, in my sort of late teens, trying to make sense of life in what wasn't a complex and challenging world even then. <laughs> and thinking uh, and talking with my parents and talking with my peers and school. And the response was, well, just get on and do your O-levels and your A-levels and get to university, get your education. And uh, I remember I would go to go to India and I'd visit my relatives there. And I remember one particular aunt of mine would say, you know, the, the problems that we have in India are because of a lack of education. Uh, but it's not that. It's, it's not education is the issue. You know, I, I heard a phrase that if you educate a crook, what do you get? You get an educated crook. <laughs> and so they might not be stealing, you know, from the local shop, but they'll be doing Internet fraud or all sorts yeah. of other things like that. So. So that there is that, that sense of those old answers don't help anymore. So it's not education. There is something about growing and developing as, as a full-rounded human being. And we have to use that word which has been avoided, particularly in the West for so long, the G word, God, and his call upon my life and what it means to live for him, uh, as well as that I'm not just a mind, I'm also a body as well, uh, and that all these things interact. Again, going back to the whole issue of body, mind and spirit. Now, what about the teaching that I, I've read a little bit about, which is to do with being compassionate towards oneself? I know there's a lot of teaching around sort of cognitive behavioural therapy about being compassionate towards yourself. Now, that in a sense is almost like um, we know Christ was compassionate or is compassionate to us. So we're, we're compassionate to ourselves. How does that work? You know? that's, a, that's a great question, Andrew. Um, the... the the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is to love your neighbor as you love, as you love yourself. When Jesus was asked that 
um, when Jesus discussed that with the lawyer, that and the lawyer replied to him with those two commandments. He said, absolutely, that's the fulfillment of, of the law. But if you think about the second one, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think we've got this whole issue about what that means upside down. We, th we tend to think about loving others without thinking about myself. No, if, if I can only give what I have, I cannot give to you what I don't have. Mm. You know, you think about it um, if, when you fly on, on an aeroplane. And what do they say to you when, when you get on the aeroplane? They say, they say, you know, with the stewardess before the plane takes off, they say, in the event of a loss of pressure in the cabin and the oxygen mask comes down, what do you do? You put the oxygen mask on yourself first mm. before you put it on your child or the person next to you. Well, similarly, I can only give what I have. And if I am not full of the love of God and fully um, congruent with who I am, I cannot, I cannot really minister to you or help you. Uh, Otherwise, it can be sort of a, an effort that you try and kind of, yeah. uh, kind of grab hold of life and try and do things yourself in your own strength. Absolutely, you're doing it in your own strength. And the other big thing to, to, to also to to add on there is that, and I'm talking obviously as as a disciple of Christ, as someone who has a relationship with Him, that my relationship with Him is more important than anything I do. I'm a human being before I'm a human doing. <laughs> and I'm not a human doing at all, in fact. I'm a human being. Uh, and yet we tend to get this messed up. We tend to think that if I do these things, then somehow or another I will find meaning and purpose in life. I'll find satisfaction that I'm looking for. Um, in many ways, it's, it's, it's understanding the gospel. And this is where Tim Keller, I would say, has helped me enormously is this, this realization that I'm accepted and therefore I obey God. Not I obey God and therefore I, and then I'm accepted. It's getting that order right. And it's and yet I think we it's a continual battle that we, we, we keep on on missing and failing in. So it sounds like and as we know it is and as you said earlier, it is quite tricky to live in today's world. So I guess that makes it even more important that we do have um, would you suggest some sort of spiritual disciplines or, or general disciplines that we have in our lives that sort of keep us on track and help us uh, not become addicted to becoming flitted, flitting to uh, uh, gratification here or, or, or um, getting a response here and that sort of thing? I think, and again, as I said, I think it has to start off with our own interior life. And as again, as a disciple of Christ, it's my relationship with God. That has to be central to everything. Now, there's, there's something about modern life that, in a sense, keeps on distracting us. There, there's, there, there's a post that, 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 that's on there called How to Avoid God on drsnill.com. And the whole issue there is really the way that modern life is structured, it it's always tends to go towards the superficial, the trivial, the external. Two particular quotes that come to my mind are from C.S. Lewis. Um, and it's on the post which I, which I referred to on How to Avoid God. He says, this is how you avoid God. And I think so much of modern society is geared this way. Avoid silence, avoid solitude, avoid any train of thought that leads off the beaten track. Concentrate on money, sex, status, health, and above all, on your own grievances. Keep your radio on. I hope he doesn't mean that about podcasts, but anyway, keep your radio <laughs> on. Live in a crowd. Use plenty of sedation. If you must read books, select them very carefully but you'd be safer to stick to the papers. 
you'll find the advertisements helpful, especially those with a sexy or snobbish appeal. And I said, if you think about that, so much of modern life, you know, I know people who will wake up in the morning and they'll just have the radio on continually. And it's something about, I need to have some kind of external noise to keep me going. Um, otherwise, I, I can't live with my own silence. Um, and this is what, again, this is the second quote from, from Lewis, is the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job of each morning consists of shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, taking the other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. So no, one, no one's going to do this for you. You have to make that decision that I'm going to stop and listen to that quiet, still quiet voice and ask him to be the one who guides and directs the decisions for today, the challenges for today, the issues I don't know how to work out today. He's the one who's going to, to direct me. We can't put anything in his place, can we? No, there's nothing else that can. And yet we seduce ourselves by thinking that we can. We think that we can manage. But, you know, it, the, the example that I found so helpful is you don't say, I ate a really good meal last week, so I'm not going to eat this week. Or I <laughs> took loads of deep breaths last week, so I don't need to breathe this week. I mean, that'd be ridiculous. Mm. And there's something about a relationship with God that is exactly the same. You need that every day. In fact, you need it every moment of every day. Um, Something I've been thinking and sort of meditating on recently is about how we have to, as individuals, take responsibility for finding that quiet time and that silence, don't we, Sina? We have to actually... We can't we can't rely on someone sending us an encouraging verse or on social media or on email or something like that. We can't rely on someone stopping us and 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 making us sit down for for a few minutes to, to, to kind of catch our breath and to meditate on on scripture and that sort of thing. You know, we have to sort of take responsibility ourselves, don't we? Absolutely, Andrew. You're you're absolutely right. And I think there's something that feels that maybe that's that's if you like the child in us that expects somebody to come along to, to do this for me but no there's no one else who will do it for you it really is between you and god and you have to make that decision and say okay i'm going to carve out this time and the moment you do that you'll find lots and lots of things will get in the way because it is it, it is a battle there is a battle going on i mean we hear about wars in iraq and terrible things happening in syria and in middle east and gaza and all these terrible things but you know there's another battle going on and that's the battle of the mind mm and a battle of priorities and a battle of decisions and those external battles are a reflection that the inner battles aren't sorted out because when i you know when i don't sort out the things that are going on inside me the way i'll handle it is i'll start blaming you i'll start finding fault in you or in people around you i'll say it's those pe people over there who are the problem mm. when actually the first step in spiritual growth is realizing actually the problem is not out there the problem starts with me and I need to work on myself first because ultimately the person who I've got 100% responsibility for is myself. I can't change anybody, but I can change myself. And I guess it's about recognising that and working that out for yourself, but also 
you can still do that within a community, can't you? Sina? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying, you know, that, that that doesn't mean that we don't fight for injustice and we don't talk out when things are wrong and we don't and, and we don't stand up uh, for for those who are struggling or suffering. Absolutely not. But it's got to come from a deep interior life. Um, an, another example that comes to my mind, which a very sort of sanitary example, a very sad one is uh, is, is Bob Pierce, the, the guy who started World Vision. And I think he went to, I think it was the Philippines he went to, and he saw terrible suffering. And he started this organization, a fantastic organization, World Vision, that does so much humanitarian work. But the tragedy was that it destroyed his life. Yeah, I think um, he, lost his, he, lost his, he lost his marriage. He lost um, one of his children. It was awful. Uh, and yet it was doing a good thing. Mm. It's fascinating stuff. So, you know, thank you ever so much for speaking to me. Just tell me, before we go, just tell me a little bit more about your your kind of uh, push with your blog and with your um, vision and values of what you do. Wow, okay. So the website is uh, com, And as we've said, it's trying to make sense of life in a in a complex and challenging world. Everybody's got their ideas about what we should be doing or what we should do. And for a lot of my life, I've struggled with that. It was education, and I found that wasn't enough. It was in the past. It's been physical fitness. It's been friendships, relationships, even good things like 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 family and, and children and, and friends. So, you know, good things. They don't satisfy. And there is a there is a hole. There's, if you like, a God-shaped hole. But God is... Okay, God is pretty big. God is huge. And it's a realization that how can I, in a sense, first for myself, try and make sense of, of all this complexity? And then how can I help others as well and bring others along in this journey? Because, you know, we live in a needy world and nobody's got the answers. God certainly does. And God is working his purposes out. But how can I, along with others, work together to, to make a difference? If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.